Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I noticed that Contagion is all of a sudden back in, you know, it's number one on iTunes. And I'm, I have to say, I'm not surprised. I'm never surprised. But like, where's panic in the streets? Like that, like that's the great, that's like. Well, they're all, they're all on, they're all on my website trailer some help. Masterpiece, We've been doing um, a bunch of uh, sort of special episodes in between these. Not, not that you're not special. I'm happy to be filler. I am always we, happy to be there. No, we, we've been doing a, they're the filler. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we've been doing these things. We call them pandemic parades. And we've been going back to old uh, people who've been on the show before and having them do little brief snippets. And they just talk about five movies they're watching to get through quarantine. And Panic in the Street has come up several times. Yeah, it's really that one. good. I mean, you yeah. Know, he, yeah. He, really, um, he, was, he was great. Uh, uh, I've been, I, I actually, I just got into this Jules Dassin kind of kick because I hadn't, you know, I, I, I'd sort of, you know, I'd seen obviously Rafifi a long time ago, but, I, but you know, I'm a, actually, I think tonight I'm going to watch Night in the City. Oh, that's <laughs> terrific. And also Thieves Highway is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, you know, there, it's hard to track down. I think he made movies in sort of a, you know, he, 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 he went abroad fairly early. I yeah, think he got, he got blacklisted and, and then, you know, uh, and it, it, in fact, Night in the City was the movie that he went to make in England and just didn't come back. Never came back and married yeah. a girl, I guess, or maybe he'd already been, I have no, but you know, he, he sort of, uh, you know, he, they're, they're hard to come by. And even in the sort of streaming universe where you can you can find anything um you, you uh his stuff is really tough to track down but i gotta, I gotta you should look on you should look on amazon prime first i do i always go i i have and again i'm so low tech which i'm i'm embarrassed about but i i go on and i can you know there's one setting that kind of searches the whole play you know the the, the all oh, right the, yeah, yeah and and that's where my first stop always yeah like I got Fedra was on there and I, I watched that and, and uh is it never on Sunday? Is that the yeah, yeah. yeah, that's on there as well. But I feel like um Criterion's got some of those at least. I think they, like Rafifi and stuff they, like that. They have Rafifi. Rafifi is not as no you can't find you can't stream it anywhere. Really? Oh, oh I, wow. I couldn't, you know, maybe oh. maybe you guys could figure it out, but I, I couldn't find it. But, um, terrible. Well, everything's always out there somewhere. That's everything is out for better and for worse. Every- yeah, which we used to be. We yeah. used to be the thing that was destroying our business. Now, yeah, now right. it's uh, now it's this. Now it's now, the business. Yeah. <laughs> this is the movies that made me with your hosts Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Eric, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you um, for having me. Uh, Eric Newman is a producer, writer, uh, currently on uh, Narcos, or actually the, the new 
version of Narcos Mexico, correct? And, well, I um, both. I, 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 um, but yes, I, we, we, Narcos, uh, the, the first installment, I mean, I, you know, we, if you ask anyone who works on the show, they'll say we're in season five. But if you ask Netflix, it's season two of Mexico. Right. It's really sort of a, a, a marketing thing. Um, well, I've been, you know, it's, it's, there's so much. We were talking to a guest the other week, and I, I came up with a theory that um, actually what uh, what what this is is it's God's way of telling us to catch up with all the TV shows we haven't had time to binge. Yeah, because that list gets longer and longer, and you know they're thirty, forty, fifty, sixty hours. It's not like well, so, you'll be uh, glad I, to know that you'll be glad to know that now that production is basically stopped until the end of the year, uh, yeah. you'll have you'll have a lot of time. To catch up on that stuff and i've already seen people on the internet complaining that well you know there's already too much stuff to watch so yeah. stop making it yeah. and sure enough, well, that's what happens. okay we will <laughs> <laughs> but i just want to say i'm i'm my wife and i are halfway through season two right now narcos which was always on our list and we finally got into it and um oh and yeah thoroughly Colombian, the Colombian period, the Pablo Escobar period now the, yeah yeah yes yeah. i'm going to say something now and if it if it um uh, offends or enrages you, I'll, I'll cut it and we'll pretend I didn't. Or if it's something you don't want anyone to ever actually point to and discuss publicly. But one of the things I genuinely love about this show is, is weirdly, if there is a sympathetic character in it, yeah. if there is, and there is, I believe, and there's only one, it's Pablo Escobar. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I approached it, um, you know, I developed it as a movie originally mm -hmm. um and, and one of the challenges with a movie uh where you have a guy doing horrible things you know blowing up airplanes and you know killing women and children and, you know in two and a half hours let's say generously two and a half hours that's a long movie that guy's a bad guy you're you can never really uh you, you're not going to get the audience back once you know that's a you're that's a bond villain basically um, and when, you know, I sort of transitioned it to television, which was really born of an opportunity more than anything else, yep. saying, hey, we, we want to go into South America and what, what do you got? Um, it gave us time, the, the time to really humanize this guy because, you know, no matter what someone does, uh, as awful as, as, as they may behave, there is, you know, it's, it, there's a human being there and it never pays to reduce them down to just monsters because, you know, that I think precludes you from seeing the next one coming. Right. So it's, actually, well, you also, it's also got going for it. I mean, the actor's amazing. He's amazing. Um, yeah, he's, he's so, foggy. so good. Yeah. But then you also have the fact that it's, it's that Godfather thing where you expand the focus just enough to put him in a context where the only thing differentiating him from these governments that are after him is, is, you know, is academic. It's just, it's names, yeah. it's nomenclature. Yeah. And when governments do the things he's doing, we well I sign mean, on and we vote. And, you know, he's going to the poor neighborhoods and handing out money and, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's fighting up against, you know, the, the governments that he's up against are just as awful, if not worse than he well, is. So. To me, they're worse because betrayal of public trust is true. The worst thing you can, you know, a drug no, we're suddenly getting a belly, full, a belly full of that, aren't we? Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's really, it's remarkable. That's the, you know, also 
remarkable is just how it's being handled. It's like, you know, Ron Burgundy is president, like a guy, <laughs> yeah. you know, no self-awareness, like, you know, talking about his ratings. And I mean, I, you know, look, I know everyone like, yes, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're lefties out here, but, but this is different. This is like, like, really? Like, like, you know, I, I always, you know, not to, we, we got into it early here, not to get into the, the politics, but, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I, I like to think that, you know, we're able to look at even our own, uh, uh, our own folks and say, yeah, you know, he's not doing a good job. And it's so clear in this case. And anyway, movies, 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 movies. But, you know, you got to give, I, there's something about a guy who in the middle of a pandemic, uh, who's the one everyone's looking to, horrifyingly enough, for uh, solutions and salvations, a guy who takes advantage of the moment to remind you that he has banged models. Oh, no. He's entertaining. That's the, that's the problem. I don't watch him. Joe watches him all the time. I keep telling him. I can't get away from him. Turn off. If he says anything you need to know, you'll find out within 30 seconds. Uh, Joe, I'm with you. Like I, I'm it's, it's, it's a bit of like a train, you know, it's a like car crash or something. It's like the, and you know, there, there are certain, uh, you know, characters in movies you would encounter that were just bad. You know, like the, the bad guys in Karate Kid. They're just bad. Like, they're not, like, yeah, maybe if you followed them home, you know, and you saw that they were, you know, what their lives were like, and maybe you could sort of explain why they were such dicks. But but he's just bad. <laughs> there's, no, you know, there's no, like, well, you know, I, I kind of get it. You know, it's like he's just bad. And he talks to the things he's, that come out of his mouth are are insane you know yeah i'm yeah. the bachelor you know like my, my briefings about you know the the you know our you know our survival are bigger or more successful than you know the bachelor it's uh, it's all his reality show and first we were living in it and now the whole world is living oh in it. really amazing well what's confounding you know i i we you know everyone's gone a little bit nuts during all this my uh, burst of insanity was right after the election. A friend of mine and I, who's a great screenwriter, John Brown, kind of wrote the game, yeah. and uh, we write together occasionally. And we we wrote a biopic about uh, Donald Trump's last year in military academy. And um, the purpose of the exercise was to write something that would not grapple with him in some sort of thoughtful, contextual way. That would it was to write something that would come at him at his own level, a kind of schoolyard level, and perhaps cause his head to explode. Right. Um, and we found very early on that there's literally no way to write the movie from his point of view. <laughs> you can't possibly, because you have to be inside that character. I can, Manson, I can write Manson. Hitler, I can write Hitler. There are broken, <laughs> wounded people there who are, but this is just, there's something about him that just, just, uh, yeah, just denies entrance. And defies sympathy. There yeah. was an early, uh, maybe in a New Yorker piece or something, you know, right after the election where a, a guy was talking about having interviewed him once and he said, um, he said, uh, are you, he said, he said, what is it, what is, what are you like when you're alone? Like what, when you're alone with your thoughts, you know, what are you, what are, what are you like? And he couldn't understand. Couldn't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Like, what do you mean? And then he said, you know, uh, maybe giving him an out, but also a very sort of revealing out. He said, let me put it another way. Are you good company? And he said, absolutely. 
I'm great. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm great company. Hey, I'm, I'm the you, best. <laughs> He's the best company. I, I, you know, my, I, you know, perfect I, company. I know it's not what you got, what we, what we came here to talk about, but I, you know, I believe that, that, you know, the, the, the simplest answer is always the, the, the correct answer. And in his case, his whole thing about, you know, his tax returns and not wanting to share this and who he's in right. business with is because he's not a billionaire. Because he's mm-hmm. basically like, of course not. He's a fraud. Yeah, he's a complete fraud. And and that would just the whole thing would collapse if uh, right. If, if, well, and then we have to talk about why people thought he was a billionaire, and now we're getting back to our business. And uh, yeah. maybe right. we should talk about movies instead. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, by the way, Josh, for the list. I know I I sent over. I don't know if. Jo- Josh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't share these things with me, so, so that I will be surprised. And, and, and I really sent like I, it would have been like a semester of you know of, of a. Of, it was like I just you know I I I couldn't narrow it down, and so finally I was like, all right, I'll narrow. I can now narrow. You know, I had to sort of go through and 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 edit. I have to edit everything I do anyway because it's you know we do everything long. Um, but uh, also, wait, so, yeah, because sometimes I never say send me the actual list, but I'm also sort of, and sometimes people do it, and Eric did, but Eric sent me this. You know, it would have been an entire season. It would yeah. be, you know, here we are, week five with Eric Newman. Yeah. Now we're, now we're going through oh, the G's. I'm, I'm around. Well, I'm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just want to talk about sort of some of the movies that have kind of formed your consciousness along the way, inspired you. Yeah. Made you want to do this. Made you not want to do this. I don't know. I, I love that, um, and and I'm excited to uh, talk. Let's just jump in, shall we? Yeah, uh, I um, I grew up here in LA, and I, I came from a family of film composers. Um, oh, many many generations of film composers uh, now. I think maybe well three as many as you can have, given that <laughs> yeah, right. given the age of the industry, yes, thousands of years of film composers, thousands of years of my. But um, you know, and I and I and you know, I was around movies for sure, and and, and but I I was thinking, you know, when when you know I, I started sort of considering this, like I was like, what, where did like you know, what were the sort of moments or or the periods of my life where I was exposed to you know uh, films, you know, in in a, in a way that that you know that that that's really stuck with me and and, and impressed upon me and. And really, one of the most significant things that in my life, you know, early on was, was Tom Hatton's Family Film Festival. Mm-hmm. So if you remember that, uh, Joe, five, yeah, right. Does. I, I don't know what that was. Oh man! So, so well, Tom Hatton was a guy. He was a, he's an actor. He was actually in a, a couple of pictures that John Landis made. Uh, but he um, he was a kiddie show host, and he hosted the. The Popeyes and the Stooges and you know things like that, and he. Uh, but he was also very showbiz oriented and very savvy and very smart. And so uh, he would, when they had old movies on Channel Five, he would often present them. And sometimes he would interview uh, somebody who was in it or who had made it. Yeah, and and it was a you know I I had sort of discovered it because I was watching Popeye, as Joe said, like they he had this sort of. And I, you know, even yeah, I understood the business even back then well enough to know that he did the Popeye thing because they, you know, wanted him to, and he got to do he got to program this film festival that was basically just stuff that he w- was into. And I, you know, it was like 
Hope and Crosby Road pictures. And like, I remember I saw the Bluebird of Happiness there, the, the Shirley Temple, you know, movie where I saw, you know, and then it got kind of, you know, and this may have taken a little bit of time, but, you know, eventually it would get to, you know, the Dirty Dozen, you know, I, or, or the Great Escape, or, you know, it was this sort of like, uh, uh, first exposure I had to kind of those, you know, big, muscular, star-studded movies, you know, that, that, that you know, and, and, and Dirty Dozen for me was kind of this, I, you know, I, I, I remember, I, don't, I must have been maybe a six or seven when I saw it. I loved war. I was really into war. You know, I just, I don't, don't know why but I was. Not being in a war or I just like, you know, the sort of, you know, the military stuff, I guess. And, and that movie, you know, where I really understood um, the kind of, you know, the, the story of cohesion. A bunch of guys who, by the way, if you watch the movie now, you know, they're all rapists and murderers. <laughs> like they're, they don't shy. It's not like they're like, I was, you know, now if you made this, that movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. They're like, I killed some guy who, you know, killed my wife. And like, right, right. Like, but those, these guys were like, like straight up, you know. My sergeant was a racist. Yeah, they, they were like yeah. straight up, you know, this guy's in for, you know, double murder. This guy rapes him and they're, they're, and they're bad guys, you know, and. And also, I was like, you know, you, you know, discovered John Cassavetes, who's like, you know, this, you know, incredibly angry, you know, guy. I mean, Telly Savalas. It was a, just a phenomenal cast. And, um, and I remember watching it. And, you know, in those days, I, I, you know, we had video stores, obviously, as we all did in those days. And so that I was able to kind of, and again, at this point, video had not happened yet. Um, you know, this is, this has got to be 70. 77 i feel like video kind of was yeah, a little bit later yeah like i had i have got to my first betamax tape um um uh, in my in my in my story um but i uh but i love this 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 show and many years later i was making a movie i was it must have been i was it was children of men because i was it was 2005 i was coming back from london and seated next to me was tom hatton who I hadn't seen him in many, you know, I hadn't, I'd never met him before, but I hadn't, you know, I didn't know what he'd been up to. And, and I was so excited. I mean, I literally was just like, Oh my God, you have no idea uh, what you meant to me. He could not get away from me faster. He would <laughs> to get away from this, like, you know, free film nerd who we probably, you know, and encountered, you know, dozens of, but at least, uh, and, but I, I just said, look, you really, you know, I, I, a lot of, of you know, I, what I learned about movies came from, from him. And he would, you know, as Joe said, he would, he would introduce the movies. He would talk about the making of the movies. He had been a contract player at, you know, MGM or something in the old days. And so he, he had real, you know, proximity to it, insight into it. You know, he would bring in someone and, and interview them. And, and, and I, you know, I wish I could find old episodes of the show i guess i could it's a K, you know, kcop or ktl or the ktla ktla but i don't i don't know that you're likely to find any episodes of the show i mean you might find the wraparounds but you could they, they wouldn't have the movies but no, you know, just, then, yeah. then nick clooney was doing the same thing on amc when amc used to be an old movie station That's right. and, then, and then robert osborne you know so there's a there's a tradition but uh, he, but tom was one of the first to do it and one of the first people who could talk from experience about the the genre and the art yeah. 
No, he he was great. Did you ever meet him? No, no. He was sort of a uh, he was. I mean, he seemed lovely, but man, I I got he was such a fixture in my life. Um, you know, and and I would say right up until you know the you know I had early, early theatrical experience. You know, going to the movie theaters. I remember going to the band's Chinese and seeing Willy Wonka. You know, the the Mel Stewart movie, which is such a you know again like a weird, brilliant movie that, that, you know, directed by a documentarian, you know, who mm -hmm. had, he made like one movie that was yeah, kind if, of, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. Yeah, it's kind of a oh, really? mad, mad, mad world type like thing, right? It's sort yeah. of a, it was, uh, yeah. and, and he made that and then got this job. And I don't know that he ever really returned um, into that, into that zone uh, again, but but man, but you I, could never make that movie today the way no. that I mean, even even when when you know the Tim Burton version came out, yeah, uh, they it had to they, they had to soften it up. Oh, it was know, dark. to the point that he's got to have problems with his father, the dentist, you know, yeah. to, to explain why he's as weird as he is. Well, yeah. when Gene Wilder, oh, they gave around, him a backstory. Oh yeah, yeah, Christopher Lee plays his father, and they have to have to have to reunite at the end of the picture, and. And it's and it's sort of like, but when 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 Gene Wilder comes out, I mean, he's crazy, he's crazy, un, unadulterated nuts, and he plays it totally down the middle. Like, I, he's, he, there's no sentiment. There's not. It's just I'm 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 crazy, and uh, and it's that's why it's such a great story. Now, interestingly, Roald Dahl didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, uh, for whatever reason. Like, although Roald Dahl seldom seems to have liked anything that was ever anything or anyone, right? I uh, but I mean, he was a wonderful writer, but he was apparently quite a character, uh, and uh, and so there was some feeling that well, they had botched the first picture, and so now they're going to fix it, you know. And um, the the original movie, while a little clunky because it was made in Bavaria, yeah. um, is uh, is still it's it's still just. A, a movie that's very hard to shake your head out of after you've seen it. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, it, it's, I love it. Dark I love it so and, and, you know, it's, and it's it, the, the, the tone of it, you know, I mean, that's, that is, you know, you're, you're right. They would never let you get away with that today. You know, they, no. you know, you know, there's, there's, you know, children in danger. There's, you know, when he's screaming at Charlie at the end, but there was a, a you know, the, I remember it, it landing with me that the whole thing was a test. Like I got it. Like I, and again, I was, you know, and we used to, I had a friend whose mother was a little off and she would take a, Chinese at like the last showing, which I think was like a 10 o'clock showing or something. We would walk out of this theater at, you know, one in the morning. Um, <laughs> and, and it was really strange, but it, and then we go home and make like one giant chocolate chip cookie, you know, like it, it was like, it's just a, you know, uh, it, it was an unsupervised existence, basically. But I just remember going and seeing, you know, I remember, and you know, the man's training is such a great place to yeah. experience anything. Um, although I was thinking, you know, thinking about kind of the, you know, the movies that, that really affected me. Um, and when you get into sort of the, you know, Netflix being the center of it, and I've done so much business with Netflix now that I'm, you know, connected to them in a lot of ways and very fond of them as, as people. I also find that, that so many of the movies that really affected me, I've never seen in a theater. You know, like I would say my top five movies of all time, I've never seen in a movie, you know, four of them, I've never been able to see in a movie. I, you know, The Wild Bunch, I went to a, you know, 
the, the that retrospective they had at the Cinerama Dome, like you know, in '97 or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yep. But I, I, I you know, there aren't a lot of of movies, you know, that you know that I saw in theaters. Um, that you know, past a certain point, obviously, you know that 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 really blew my mind. I was too young to see The Godfather. I saw Apocalypse Now in the theaters, which I shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, I, uh, uh, but again, you know, parents didn't know what they maybe know now. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, and I remember I saw Animal House, which I should not have seen. You know, and <laughs> and I remember actually weirdly. I couldn't read at the time Animal House came out because I remember looking at an ad in the newspaper for Animal House and, you know, having to sort of identify it by the picture and not by the, because I couldn't, I was probably, you know, six, or the Animal House, 70, 77, 78. Yeah. But, but that, 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 that ad was a, was a cartoon. That's why yeah, I was sold. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, the cartoon. I was like, I want to go see that. You know? That's yeah. for me. Yeah, and uh, and I did go see that. And, ah, you know, it was not, the, yeah. it was quite. I mean, you know that that uh, <laughs> that Landis that Landis run, you know, <laughs> is pretty spectacular. I mean, you know, like think about that. You know that that you know, that movie and 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 American World from Trading Places and and uh, you know. Pretty spectacular, but I love I loved Animal House, and I love it's one of the great you know the third act you know the the parade. It was like you know you just it was sort of perfect, and it was truly a pointless gesture, and you know done on somebody's part, and it's just incredibly effective. Um, and then I got really into the Z Channel. Oh yeah, well you should explain a little bit for those of us who uh, or those people who don't. Weren't yeah. around uh, LA during that period. Uh, that, yeah, I was so fortunate. I it it I got here in '86, so it still had like another year. I got I got just the tail end of it. But man, what a what an amazing yeah. Tell tell because some of our listeners won't know it. It was a and you know it's funny. I, and there was a documentary about it. There uh, is yeah, mm-hmm. Jerry Harvey, the guy who ran it. Really good documentary. Yeah, it was a I suppose a, 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 an early premium movie channel uncensored no ads it was like yep. a cable channel you know programmed by a, a genius i think or a pothead or whatever i don't know what what they you would see shit on there that like you know satiricon would be on and then um you know some weird sort of genre you know like some you know uh 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 some action movie that you'd never heard of. And then, you know, and then it would be the great escape. And then it would be, you know, there was, and I don't know, there was, there, maybe it was based on the time of day, but I got so much of my movie education from, from the programming of the Z channel. It was just like, and, and I guess in those days, you know, either video wasn't threatened by them. It just maybe it didn't feel like a business. I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, Joe, what do you think about it? It was a little pre video store, you know, it it was almost pre HBO, but not quite. I think HBO was still there. 
at the time, but, but they were basically doing like live concerts and yeah. comedians and stand up and, yeah. and stuff like that. And, and then of course <laughs> they would run Beastmaster because everybody knows HBO stands for, Hey, Beastmaster's on. Beastmaster. I love Mark, Mark Singer. I loved it. Like, yeah, that was like, you know, that, I remember that was prime time for me, you know, watching, you know, Beastmaster or, you know, there would be like, you know, um, the Sheena, what was the there was the there was a Sheena with Tanya Roberts. Yeah, Tanya, Tanya Roberts. Yeah. Yep, <clears throat> Queen of the Jungle. No, no Irish McCall, as far as I'm concerned. There was um there was another movie um uh how's it called High Risk with James Brolin would be on all the time. Yeah. They would just keep fighting through and boy, <laughs> I watched them again and again. And I saw, I mean, I saw some pretty you know mediocre movies. Oh, I'd watch them again and again because, like, what else was there to do? You know, it wasn't like you, you know. Well, they were kind of new, and it was kind of special that they were on because there yeah. wasn't stuff like that on the other channels. And and uh, you know, and and HBO was they found their niche. I mean, they 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 bought a bunch of stuff and they kept repeating it over and over. Yeah, no, they really, you know, they and they and it would be and every once in a while there, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but there would be like every once in a while they would try some. I feel like I saw Ghostbusters on there fairly early. Like it was like they 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 like the window didn't exist or I I don't I don't remember I don't remember what year that was. But I don't think it was that long after the movie had been released. I I I I, I tried to look into it, and never could figure it out. But well, the movie was the movie was eighty four. Yeah, the movie came out in eighty four, right? So you know, it would have been towards the end of Z Channel. Z Channel was done in eighty seven. Yeah, I think so. It was around until at least, yeah, like 87 or so. Yeah. Did, um, I wonder, did, 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 did Roger Corman ever make a deal? Like, did, did, where would I have seen his stuff? Uh, at the drive in. Only oh Roger. Never, never <laughs> at the Grand House. It's uh, a Z Channel. Z, Z, Z Channel would run stuff like yeah, Master of yeah. Death and stuff like that. They yeah. I saw when I've seen Piranha. I saw Piranha. Piranha, you would see there. Yeah. I know Piranha was on the Z Channel because Mick Garris used to have I, a show that he would run horror movies on, and Piranha was his first one. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, it was really a. Um, it was a great. It was a great thing. And, I, and the the movie that I remember most. You know, my my mother passed away about two years ago, um, and I remember watching Z Channel with her. Um, because again, there was truly something for everyone on Z Channel, and and uh, we watched Gallipoli together, mm-hmm. which is just a, a spectacular movie. And and yeah. you know who Peter Weir was, and it took me down this whole kind of great um, you know Peter Weir exploration. But this must have been this was pre Witness when I saw it. So like yeah. maybe maybe it was like eighty. I think Gallipoli probably came out in eighty one, maybe so maybe in eighty two. And and it really you know blew my mind and 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 you know it's just and I think probably influenced me you know creatively in terms of like my I love history and I and I love the opportunity to sort of you know not educate someone but you know maybe enlighten slightly you know show people something that they either thought they knew um, you know which I think we kind of did with Escobar and and, and the drug war in, in South America but um, you know, or in some cases didn't know anything about, you know, I had, I knew nothing about, you know, everything I know about the Khmer Rouge came from the killing fields. You know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I read about it since, 
But I remember watching The Killing Fields, you know, and thinking like, wait, what? Like, what is this? And, and you know, and that was very much true of Gallipoli, like this, you know, incredible, horrible, horrible thing that obviously, you know, if you're Australian or from New Zealand, it looms large, you know, in your, in your history. Um, but for us, it was just kind of like, wait, what? Like, what was this thing? And then, and then, and the, and the story, you know, this, and I was, a, you know, I think it was already into Mel Gibson. I feel like I'd seen Mad Max already. And I think yeah. Warriors right around there, you know, if not maybe just after. Um, but I, but, you know, the, the movie uh, for me, Gallipoli was, you know, spectacular. I like uh, Peter Weir's mystical phase. I like uh, Picnic and Hanging Rock and, uh, yeah. and The Last Wave. I think yeah. they're really great movies. Yeah. yeah, both great. And I was able to, you know, go to Vidiots or something, you know, and, and track those down. What are the other video? I mean, we had like, you know, it was blockbusters, certainly. But, you know, there are these little sort of bomb and pop. Uh, there was a Hollywood video for a while uh, and, um, and various mom and pops that uh, came and went. There, there was one in the Palisades that was kind of awesome. So I grew up in the Pacific Palisades, Santa Monica area and and there was this amazing movie theater called the bay theater which is now a is now an out of business norris hardware <laughs> um, it was so sad and it was just a spectacular place i remember you know i i, I, I the movies i saw there from you know monty python the holy grail i would see you know ralph bakshi's lord of the rings like which i saw i think 11 times in the theater um because yeah, i loved it so much uh I'm still waiting for the second part. I know it never it never happened, did it? Never happened. You know they made you know there's the Rankin Bass uh, Hobbit, Hobbit, yeah. And they did a they did they did uh, the first they did um and then they later did the Return of the King. They did like the third one, right. yeah. And it was not very it wasn't great. It was the first one's great. Um, yeah. The Hobbit was great, but um, but there was a video store in the Palisades and. My mother uh, owned a, a clothing store, and they moved into that space. The video store moved out. They probably in those days were expanding and not contracting. And uh, my mother took over the space, and she came back from the sort of walkthrough with a videotape that had been left behind. It was the first videotape I ever owned. You know, like, and remember in those days, like, videotapes were really expensive. They're, they didn't have sell through, so like. Yeah, they were phenomenally expensive. Renting them was cheap, you know. Right. You know, when you didn't bring them back, but like, but the videos themselves to buy them, so to have one that they just left behind, and it was a movie called Class. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew McCarthy, and Andrew, yes. blah blah, and it was directed by um uh uh, 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 uh Louis, John Lewis Cardellino. John, Lewis John Carlino. Louis John Carlino, who directed um, uh, the Great Santee, Mm -hmm. and and I we watched it like over and over and over again, and and it was kind of great. Like it was Jim Calf wrote it. Like I I remember, you know, the only person I knew who had worked on it. But it was this kind, you know, in that sort of, you know, I suppose where where you know Fast Times at Ridgemont High was kind of the the Citizen Kane of those sort of you know. Teen, you know, yes. coming of age, sex comedy slash drama. This one was pretty good. Like, I, uh, you ever seen it? Sure, class. Sure, yeah. yeah I really, I, I, I really liked it. 
Um, and I, and I, uh, and it was again, I think the first video that I, I ever, I ever owned. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. And then remember, like, there was a time when, like, you know, videos and then DVDs were like furniture. I mean, they were like, you had them, like, they were, they were decor. Like, you would have, like, a <laughs> movies on your, you know, on your wall. And, you know, you'd be on a shelf somewhere. And it was like, you know, and it's, I miss things like that slightly. You know, now, now when you see someone who has, you know, you go to Eli Roth's house and it's all DVDs on the wall. It feels sort of anachronistic, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, but we are we are laughing at you people now. I'm yeah, telling you, yeah. It's like you know, we'll we'll sit down every night and half the time we're watching something on a streaming service yeah. these days, and and everyone's on the internet, so it all falls apart. So yeah, it's uh, walk into the room and I pull down a Blu-ray from the thousands that we've got here, and we laugh at the people who were, you know, trying to make their way through Narcos, even though it now looks like yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, completely pixelated and yeah um no i wondered you know i haven't i have not watched other than sort of the rare you know when like the things that i track down i haven't you know even the even the academy now sends a link mm. you know it's like it's not uh it's not yeah i think that i think we may have seen the last year that they're going to send out dvds and and i think the main reason they've been doing that is because so much of the academy audience is older yeah, uh, and they don't know how to. I don't know how to stream. Uh, yeah. You know, and and so they at least they know how to put the thing in the machine. Um, but I have a feeling that this uh, that this year they're going to entirely stream. In fact, this year they well, may not even be able to have the, the awards. They what they may have to do is what they did in the '30s when they would combine two years worth of stuff. That's right. Uh, and I think that's that's inevitable now. I, I really don't see how they're going to possibly get around this dearth of things that are going to i mean after february like nothing came out no, and, and, well yeah because you, you have to open in the theater and the, well they're going to have to change that rule obviously that. And, yeah, and, sure. uh, and now the question is who's going to keep their big movie that they wanted to have out this summer till next summer yeah. you know well that's right. a, that's a dodgy prospect when you've got so much money invested in it and um and also there's some question about whether people are going to get out of the habit of going to theaters because they're just even even when it's supposedly the all clear they're going to think twice about do i really want to be in a place with this many people do i you know uh and uh that has ramifications for actually the production of movies as well so i i think it's i think people have underestimated the degree of change that's yeah. going to come with this particular uh, virus yeah i mean I, I i i can't imagine it you know, going back to, to as it was, I mean, it can't. And I think, you know, the, I mean, I've always sort of found the, the, the you know, theatrical argument, you know, that the, these windows and the business of it and the, you know, I, I, I'm, maybe I'm just cynical, but I assume that what they really want, you know, what the sort of theater owners really want is they want Marvel movies and they want Pixar and they want, you know, they're, you know, they want full theaters and they want to sell a lot of popcorn. I mean, that's basically what they want to do. But for, for those of us who actually are the ones who are sitting there, what, what we're losing is the communal experience. And that's yeah. the whole reason that movies became popular to begin with. Yeah. It's because you were enjoying something with, in, a, in a crowd of strangers. Yeah. And you were, you were sharing an emotion. Yeah. And it, it was very powerful. And it's one of the reasons why so many people from our generation just revere movies. is because it's such an important yeah. part of their lives. I'm not so sure that that's going to continue. Yeah. 
And then I hope, I hope so. I mean, I, I, you know, my, my grandparents never talked about the, the, the flu, you know, in the, the 19, you know, uh, 18, yeah. never talked about it. And it was this, and it was horrible, you know, killed so many people. There's this collective uh, amnesia almost, you know, you think about, you know, it's like, it's tough to even find a great book about it. You know, it was a, it, but, it, but it ran its course. You know, I'm, I'm, I imagine at some point this will run its course, but I don't know that we as a, you know, the way that, you know, we work, our minds work, if people, you know, will forget it, you know, like they're, 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 you know, you'll still be tentative about being in a crowd, you know, someone pops in a movie theater and you, you know, you hit the panic button. Well, how about, how about film festivals? I mean, if you ever go to a film festival without coughing, I mean, it's, people, yeah. people at film festivals have been up for long periods of time. Uh, they're usually uh, have hangovers and, and any screening, no matter how quiet the movie is, there's always somebody, <laughs> you know, and I grew, I grew up going to grindhouse theaters where there are always people. Oh, yeah. Yeah throwing up or coughing or whatever. Yeah. So I'm used to it. But I was just envisioning sitting in a movie theater and you hear a sound, you think it's a cough and you turn and you go, oh, thank God, it's just the guy next to me ratcheting his gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, but I am, you know, in my, my, my movie uh, life, uh, you know, this period where, where I, you know, started going to movies all the time, you know, was for me was sort of the, I was very lucky to, for it to be the 80s, you know, the early 80s. I mean, Jesus, like, you know, and Daryl, you know, well, because you were at the center of it, you know, making movies that I would go see, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't, you didn't want to miss, you, you would have been left out not to have seen Gremlins, you know, you would have been, you know, it would have been like, you're the poor kid. You know, like, <laughs> so I, you know, went through this. I mean, it's, it, and it is a it, truly a one of a, you know, there have been, you know, golden ages, you know, I mean, you know, uh, uh, maybe a few of them, but you can't, I don't think you can deny 1979 to 1980, even in the kind of 88, I would think, or nine. I mean, it, it, you know, that, that period is just kind of stunning, you know, and. Uh, and I uh, and I remember what theaters I saw things in, you know. I was, it was Westwood for me, you know. And, and in those days, Westwood was phenomenal. Westwood was like a John Hughes movie, you know, in those in those days. Um, and, uh, and now it's just a, a bunch of closed stores. Yeah, like places yeah. that used to be movie theaters. Yeah, and then, and things going out of business. I mean, the whole you know, re, you know the, 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 watching that happen. I remember someone. I remember someone got shot in West. Yeah, in Westwood. Yeah, in like maybe late late '80s or early '90s, even. Late '80s. And that was the end, kind of, or the beginning. Yeah. You know, beginning of the end. But, you know, it happened pretty quickly. Um, oh, it was it was overnight. Yeah, it was overnight. But it changed up. Yeah. I, mean, I loved it. I I remember, you know, I remember seeing. Uh, I went to high school with uh, uh, the son of of. Uh, the guy that produced Die Hard, and and uh, and I remember going and one of my you know we had these sort of career very LA but we had these sort of you know like career days where you would go to you know in our case we went to 20th Century Fox because he was the he had been the head of Fox and and was still based there as a producer and um, 
and we, you know, talked about uh, this movie that he had made that was coming. It was Die Hard, and I remember going to see it in in um, in, in Westwood. And I and I I loved that movie, and and I I didn't I don't think it's a I don't think it's a spectacular. You know, it's not a you know it's not an art film. It's not you know it's it's but it was sort of this for me this moment where I understood for the first time or could articulate that the movie was that that it was about more than just plot. I was probably 17 or maybe I was 17 years old maybe and I and it's where I kind of realized um and I, I think I knew this obviously subconsciously because the movies that I loved all had this you know on a thematic level there was something else going on. But this movie, I realized, was about a marriage. It was about a guy who had been left behind and felt it was a very much a sort of male empowerment, you know, answer to, you know, the women have left the kitchen and moved on and somehow were less important to them than, you know, than, than we were once. And the movie is very much an, an affirmation of that. Now, I don't really even agree with that, but I understood <laughs> it. I really, but it's there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, she's not using his name. She's, you know, he doesn't know where to sit in the limo. You know, she's literally left him behind. But when the shit goes down, he's the guy. It's not going to be, you know, brilliantly played by Hart Bachner, you know, Ellis. You know, and I know Hart, you know, I've known him since I was a kid. And I just love the fact that he's Ellis and can you, can you get over? Is he, I, I just, I, I love actors who play parts like that. And I find that. Um, usually they're the they're the nicest. People. He's the nicest guy. You know, he is, but but there's always a moment where you have to sort of adjust your head because it's like, oh god, him again. Yeah. You're like, oh wait, no, this is my friend. <laughs> we were talking about um, it was, I, you know, Mary Tyler Moore when she did Ordinary People, it hurt her career because I, I think people thought, oh, that must be her. Like she was so she was so convincing. As, and, and apparently she's a lovely person. I, I didn't, I never yeah. got to meet her, but I, I knew many people who knew her and they said she was lovely. But like, you know, that happens sometimes where you do something so well, particularly if it's playing an asshole, that you're kind of like, hey, you're that guy forever. And if you're yeah. from Animal House, you know, played Meyer, or you just own it. You're like, I, I don't know, I'm yeah. in the Twisted Sister video playing because <laughs> this is what I, I do. But you know, I, I I think you know definitely Hart was so good at it that it was like, well, how can that not be you know the real Hart? And I think you know he's a, such a handsome guy. You know, yeah. you sort of automatically are 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 you know there's a, there's a you know people are predisposed against you because there's no way that guy looks like that to be a nice guy. It's what Paul Newman understood, which I and he's my favorite actor because he understood that. You can be really handsome and still be a loser. In fact, you're more likely to be a loser because of it. And he did it again and again where he, and, and Warren Beatty did it too, you know, where he kind of died at the end of it, you know, literally or, or figuratively at the end of every film, like the, the handsome guy loses, you know, he's up on Mulholland at the end of Shampoo and he who thought he was playing all these women got played by everybody and ends up alone. And, and, and I love that. You know, anyway, um, so that was sort of the, that was my, you know, 
the peak of my, you know, theater going experience. When I was out of work, I went and saw a lot of movies, but movies weren't very good in that. This is 90, oh, I graduated from school in 93 and I was looking for a job until like maybe, you know, January 94. So in that six months, I saw every single movie that came out and it would be like, you know, there was a Three Musketeers with Charlie Sheen, you know, there was a, I'll just go. I remember I went and saw Gettysburg in the theater somewhere. I don't know if it was in this period. It may have been, but I went and it was like, you know, I didn't have a job and I felt, you know, pretty bad about myself. And so I figured if I'm seeing a movie, at least I'm kind of headed in the direction that I want to be in. And I somehow it felt less bad. And so I just make a day of it. And I would go, I would go see, um, I went and saw that. And, uh, and it was, what year? God, I forgot. That's ninety three. Yeah, that, uh, that falls into the false beard genre. Yes, but by the way, truly, <laughs> it was. It's insane. Like they, it is a bunch of bad. Well, actually, I don't know how bad they were. I, I, I fell for it, but they were clearly, you know, every actor had. You imagine what you know, hair and makeup was like in the morning. <laughs> it was like you know, it would be like you know, getting into the Nutty Professor. But yeah, that was like this kind of, you know, period of, 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 you know, I was, didn't have a job and I was kind of, you know, pretty bummed out. Um, but I would see good movies. I remember like, I want to say, if, I feel like matinees in that zone, right? 90. It was early 93. Like that. I, there, I, there's some movies would come around and I would see them and, and really like them. Well, you were one of the few who saw that one. <laughs> no, I saw everything. I mean, I literally, I, I, I would see, you know, in, in that period, I would say, and that maybe, you know, and then summer vacation, you know, I'd be, I'd go see whatever I could. I don't get there as much as I'd like to now. I guess nobody does. You know, it's like, you know, it doesn't. No, but that's because it's this full of three-hour superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, which I, which I, I appreciate, but I just. They're just not real. You know, I do appreciate. It. I think they're incredibly well rendered, but I, 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 it's not really what I'm, what I'm, I'm looking for. You know, yeah. I, I've been saying this a lot the last few weeks because, uh, um, I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious when you look at the film for two minutes. But we watched it recently, and uh, Matinee is a great movie to watch right now. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, it's it's a little bit prescient. It ties into what we're dealing with, and it. Uh, it offers a great deal of hope at the end, which, um, you know, I think is why we get out of bed. So I'm, I'm, I'm down with hope. Yeah, <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I uh, you know, that, the sort of fear, you know, which is just, I mean, I, you know, I, I actually think so much of what's happened um, post 9-11, uh, you know, the, 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 the really bad stuff is this sort of, you know, the rise of terror, not their terror, but our terror, you know, and fear. I mean, yeah, fear. fear. Yep. And it's really, it's, 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 it's disconcerting. Um, I, um, 
I saw um, in the same in the seven back to sort of the set that that you know late seventies to late eighties run. You know, Alien for me. You know, and I talk about it all the time, and in in sort of the, it comes up a lot in the you know in, in writers' rooms and what you know and, and 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 you know when we're you know developing scripts and stuff because the I love that that the the beginning of that movie, you know, where you, you know, you're in space and you're and you're, you're waking up, and the first thing anybody talks about is is money. Like what? Like how come me and Harry Dean Stanton, who work just as hard as you guys do, except we're downstairs in the bow of the ship, and you get we get paid less than you, and 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 half share, and, and half share. And what's great about it is like it just immediately tells you like oh they're at work like it's it's mine it's like you know I get it like there's you know it 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 removes all of the kind of you know disassociative sci-fi like I can't relate to this because they're talking about the you know the Alderaan you know uh, galaxy and I don't know what the fuck that is you know and and you know, and if you ask people you know believe something like there's going to be an alien chasing people on a spaceship and eating them alive, you know, you have this sort of greater obligation to authenticity. And I noticed that even then, you know, as a, it's, uh, you know, that's a, and again, another sort of seven, that's more of a seventies movie in that it's like, you know, the system will fuck you over, you know, that you are disposable. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when you started talking about the '80s as your sort of the the, the big era because um, uh, Narcos is so to me um, feels feels so much more like it came out of that '70s. Yeah, sort of, uh, I uh, perspective. I think that um, you know my affinity for the '80s, and you know, uh, has a lot to do with how old I was. You know, and 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 also just the joy of some of these movies that Joe and Spielberg and the people were making that were like, you just kind of, you know, they were, it was so effective. They were so effective. You know, it's like, if you look at, you know, a perfect movie and they exist, you know, and there were periods obviously. And again, I, it's hard to talk about, you know, the, yeah, sure. 1939 is a, you know, but in 1939, there were probably, 250 other movies, you know, that the studios cranked out, you know, because they were making one a week that were just garbage and vanished. You know, the 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 the, the number had, you know, the, the 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 you know the business had contracted, and the fact that you'd have five or six movies in one of those years that were that were great was, you know. Hard to believe the fact that you know ET and Tootsie, I think, were the same year, you know, or or you know, and it's it's a um, it, it was a pretty amazing time to be a movie goer um, for sure. But in terms of kind of where my you know w- what interests me as a storyteller, I, I definitely am am drawn to sort of the you know the more sort of seventies, you know, the the you know. Uh, uh, open your eyes, or they're going to get you. Um, you know, and that that we're part of some, you know, in the case of the drug war, this this spark that you know continues to you know labors under the that we labor under the the ridiculous 
conception that that you can somehow defeat uh, uh, the drug drug war. You can win the drug war by attacking the supply and ignoring the demand. Mm-hmm. Right, treating it like it's a healthcare crisis that it is, you know, and putting people in jail for all that shit. You know. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, the eighties for me were, were pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, and then, you know, in, in the nineties, you know, the, I, I, I was really affected by unforgiven, you know, as a, as a, as a movie, as a story, you know, where you, you sort of had a, a, a guy who fails and you want him to fail. An interesting design, a, a brilliant script by David, David, and I think David and Jay. Was David Peoples or, and his wife, or it was just him? I think it was just, yeah, it was just him. Yeah. Um, the, you know, amazing, you know, you're, 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 you introduce a guy who, who is trying to be better than he was, maybe even more pointedly, denying who he had, once been you know and 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 he can't do it and he fails but you can't you're you, you want him to fail you know one of the things i loved about your your movie josh is that i love the i, I love this i love the idea that you don't know who you're fucking with you know, mm-hmm. and, you know and, and, and there's a you know you, you see those stories where you you know you think for whatever reason that you know somebody is is you know you can take advantage of them. You can, you know, you, you, you're, you know, there's that scene that he walks into in the end of Unforgiven where, you know, he's where they, you know, killed Ned and they're talking, you know, sort of joyously about like, oh, we're going to go get, you know, we're going to ride these guys down tomorrow. And they have no idea that the devil is about to walk into their, <laughs> into the bar, you know? Right. And it's such a, it's, you know, it, 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 really affected me i i i thought and i and i didn't I hadn't with the exception of outlaw josie wales i didn't really love you know i liked the, the dirty hairy thing i got you know but i i had never really connected with clint's movies in that oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? I, mean, I, I love the sergio leone movies for sure i'm talking about the movies he directed yeah no no i get it yep, yep. you know and that movie really uh uh it, i i loved it yeah, it's a, it's an amazing film. I remember just sitting there realizing you were you were in the presence of something special. And um, no, I, and thank you for the kind words. I just it's funny that you jump from one to the other because um, history of violence is just in, in my mind, among other things, one long love letter to Unforgiven, yeah. uh, loaded with tiny little subtle references. And my my I think my favorite thing about it is that Cronenberg um, had never seen Unforgiven until we were doing the film, and I, I loaned him my video. I loaned him a DVD. I guess the statute of limitations is up. I can add it. He hated it. <laughs> wow. Absolutely hated it. So every unforgiven gag that's in that film to me just feels like a victory. <laughs> God, that's, I mean, it's a hard movie to hate. I, I don't, I mean. He hated Casablanca too. Really? <laughs> it's interesting. You know, hey, he's an artist, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that, that's sort of a, you know, is that, being perverse, or, 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 or you know, is there, is there sort of a? No, he hated Gremlins too. Did he really? Oh, did he? Oh, wow, really? Which I found out because I was on a show. I was on Charlie Rose's nighttime show, and I was being interviewed. And then uh, the guest before me was 
David. And so I'm sitting in the control room and I'm watching and Charlie Gross is, you know, tossing out some names of some movies that uh, have, were out and what did he think of them? And he says, Grumble. He says, well, that's not even a movie. So, <laughs> so then I had the fun of going in afterward. I'm on next. Were you wearing a Gremlins t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not even a movie. Yeah. I, uh, I, I love that. That is, yeah. That does, by the way, does not surprise me. Um, you know, if, you know, he's a, I also, I wonder if, I wonder if guys like that who sort of, um, you know, they made a certain kind of genre movie that I appreciated and I liked. Then guys like you and Spielberg and guys who kind of figured out a more popular, a more a way to do it in a in a wider reaching way. I wonder if there's a little bit of like you know resentment, maybe. I mean, would he? You know, this? Do you think? I mean, because you know, I had I had worked with him. I'd worked with him before because I was at New World Pictures when we were uh, distributing The Brood. And yeah. the MPAA came along and said, well, this is, this is an X. you got to cut all this stuff out. So we did what we always did at New World, which was we went through, I went through the picture with David and we made all the cuts. And it was like, you know, seven hammer blows. you got seven hammer blows. You can only have two. You know, so we went through all that stuff. We cut the print, showed it to the MPAA. They said, fine. We brought it back, put everything back in and released the movie. And because the MPAA never even had a movieola, uh-huh. Uh, I never looked at the movies after the seeing them on the screen, and they certainly didn't like that kind of movie. So nobody just would go to the movie and see it in the theater and go, "Oh, look, they put all the stuff back in." They never know. I mean, I I would have to tell you that like fifty percent of the stuff that Roger released in the seventies was stuff that was full of material that had been cut out by the MPAA and then put back. Yeah, because they just wouldn't bother. They say, no, they didn't care." <laughs> we figured if they don't care enough, then they fuck them. Yeah. Okay. I think I know. I I think I mean, I'll I'll say two things. One one is um you know the thing that makes somebody sort of an interesting artist is the you know he's got a, he's got an idiosyncratic view of these things. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean I do remember exactly how I felt when he told me he hated Casablanca. It was just this kind of it was almost joy. It was like yeah this is this is this is a mentality that is not my own that is now coming in the you know this is why finally I'm working with an iconoclast. Yes, yeah. but yeah. but I would also to answer your 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 other question, he did a retrospective. Um, in fact, when we were working on history, uh, he came into town and we we uh, were, were sort of locked down in a room for two weeks, going through the script and talking about it, and I go off and work. And they were doing a retrospective of his at the Egyptian, and I remember somebody stood up at the Q and A, and you know, and they were all God bless him. They loved David and his films, and they were like angry for him. He's an artist, and these other. He's like, what do you think when you see all these trashy popular movies that make billions of dollars that are all just stealing your ideas? Like waiting for David to stand up and tear into, you know, shitty filmmakers. And David stood up and said, quite sincerely, it makes me very jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I get it. Um, I I had a, uh, I went to film school at USC um, and, uh, and I was very grateful to not, you know, I was not a, I was not oriented towards production. I was, I, I was in critical studies because I, the only thing I knew I wanted to do was just watch a bunch of movies. And, and I got to do that with an amazing 
professors there like, you know, uh, Drew Casper oh. and, and David Shepard. And, and, and I was able to just watch shit that I don't know that I could get again, even in our sort of era of streaming, you know, where I, you know, where you, where things do are available out there, you know, everywhere I, or somewhere. And, and it was such an unbelievable privilege you know, to, to be able to do that and to see, and I remember, you know, we, we did, there was a Cronenberg class, you know, like, and again, this is, you know, in the, the 90, uh, early nineties. And so, you know, it's, it would be a, probably a, a, you know, more than a semester perhaps now. And it's done amazing stuff for sure. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, very rarely do I come across something that is of quality that I, that I hate. I mean, I, you know, I might not get it. It might not be for me, but you know, but very rare, you know, I think it's so hard to do, you know, it's so hard to get anything made. And if you can get something made and it's, and it's and finished and completed, finished, it's like, distributed. I, I, you know, I, miracle. I root for, you know, and look, I, there, I could, we could sit here and do another hour about people that, I've worked with or met in this business that I don't particularly like, but I, I don't, I don't root it's another podcast. I never root against, against movies. I, 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 you know, I, I, you know, I remember, so I, you know, and again, I'm a, I'm a massive Mel Gibson fan. I, I just, I, his work, you know, um, uh, I've talked to him a couple times and, and have enjoyed my conversations with him. Um, yeah. At the height of, you know, his, and again, I, I have, you know, things that came out of his mouth are awful and offensive and all that. Um, but I saw Apocalypto when it came out. Um, uh, I went to the theater and saw it in Culver City and I fucking loved it. I mean, it's Apocalypto is like, it's next level. It is like, I, I've, I've seen, have, Joe, have you seen Apocalypto? I, I think he's a very good filmmaker. Oh. I, I, I even like the porn movie, the, the Jesus porn movie. I, I kind of you know, did. I mean, it's, 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 it's reprehensible on a lot of levels. It is. But, it, but it is so well made. It's so beautifully photographed and so cinematic. Yep. You know, I mean, did I really need to see the eyeball being plucked out by the crow? Probably not. Okay. But, you know, I mean, this is the movie you wanted to make, and this is the... the this is his background. This is where he comes from, and it's—I know—it's revered by religious people. They think it's—it's—it's it's, it's great religious porn, um, but it's awfully, yeah, you have to, awfully well done. Yeah, I you have to sort of admire the fact that he made a two and a half hour biblical epic in Aramaic. Yeah, no, he's—it was a smash hit. I mean, it was just—he's remarkable. Know. I mean, I and 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 then then went and did you know in some you know long dead you know. You know Mayan. Uh, yeah, in, in Mayan. Yeah, yeah. You know he's and he was telling me stories about like, you know, and I've done some pretty hard things, nothing like that. But you know, I went into Colombia and you know and made you know, you know, thirty hours of television and you know, it's, it, you know, in places where they hadn't done it before and you know, or, or if they had, they'd done it you know uh, uh, very differently than than they were asked to do it. Um, by the way. All credit to them because the Colombian crew was was amazing. But the stories he was telling me about making Apocalypto are just like holy shit. And he's like, and he and he goes, remember, he told me a story about how like 
He was counting the raindrops by how much each one cost him. It was his money. <laughs> Every fucking raindrop is is twenty five hundred dollars for to, out of my pocket. But that movie, like that scene when when, when the guy the, the guy you know uh, goes over the falls and he can't believe yeah. he made it, and he's like he's alive and God clearly. He chose him to escape this fate, and he turns around and he basically tells those guys, you know, to to go fuck themselves. And then he watches as as they drop over the falls one by one. And it's, yeah. I mean, it, that, that movie is, is is pretty spectacular. And and uh, and yeah, he's you know, and yeah, the Passion of Christ for me is like I was kind of I kind of dug the fact you know, I'm. You know, my mother was Catholic, but I was kind of raised, you know, somewhere between Jewish and nothing. And I, I kind of appreciated the, that in the Passion, it made no effort to sell you on the idea that this guy was the Son of God. You got to just buy going in. You got to know it and believe it, and and go with it. Otherwise, you know, it's like I was like, well, maybe he's gonna like, you know, cross. He's gonna like, he's gonna. He's going to teach. He's going to like, you know, preach to me and, and try to, nope, don't, don't give a shit. If, you know, you, you know, part of the, you buy a ticket for this one, you're already down. Um, it is, it is uh, one of the great heartbreaks of my life that actually that, that came out when David was in town and we were working. And for about 30 seconds, there was talk of going to see it, the three of us, uh, with me and him and Willem Dafoe. Man, that would have been from, of course, Last Temptation, which would have been, you know, <laughs> it never happened, sadly. But. That would be a very weird and great movie show where the yeah. Willem Dafoe and 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 David Cronenberg go to movies together. You like prize out of them, you know, like like what they thought, and they would probably shit on everything. That would actually be irritating. Um. I, I somehow I just think I've never met the man. I somehow I feel like Willem Dafoe probably just loves everything. I, I met him at a film festival. He's he's really nice. That's what I hear. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I, I made a Brian Denny. He died yesterday. Yeah, I worked with him too. Yeah, I did too on Tommy Boy. What did you do with him? What was he? Okay, that's an episode of a show called Night Visions that nobody remembers that uh, with him and Carrie Elways, which was called Quiet, Please. And it was a, about a serial killer. And um, Brian was, uh, uh, his, his legs were shot from for whatever reason. And yeah. it, it was out in the woods in Vancouver. And uh, as everything is on Vancouver, and it's, of course, everything is also in the woods in Vancouver. Uh, and in order to get places, he had to like do a lot of running. And he never complained. And I've, I managed to set things up so that we could do doubles and we could shoot from low angles and we could make fake things and everything. And he was very appreciative. But um, I, uh, I, I really, I was, you know, it was a TV show. It was really quick. And, uh, but I really, uh, I had always liked him ever since I saw him in 10. You know, it was the first time I ever saw him as the bartender. And, um, and he was just, he was, he was a swell guy and a terrific actor. He really was. Fantastic. Yeah, I did a... Um... Uh, I adapted a Harlan Ellison story with Harlan for a TV show called Masters of Science Fiction. Sure. And uh, Jonathan Frakes directed it. It was fantastic. And the cast was Brian Dennehy and John Hurt. Wow. And we got to, we got to go up to Canada and, and hang out and be involved with them. And he was just, yeah, everything you would have wanted from him. He's just sort of big, gruff, and, you know, not 
openly and immediately warm to somebody you just met, but but friendly enough and but just so fucking professional and so good. And um, yeah, it was just one of those things. I mean, you know, we've all had that where you just sit there and there's this actor who's so much of their work you have just loved and absorbed, and there they are saying your words and yeah. doing them justice. Holy shit! Uh, yeah. we were. Uh, on the set of Tommy Boy in Toronto, and we're doing the sort of scene where Brian, you know, Brian plays Farley's dad, and you know, we're sort of fancy house, and sitting there with David and Chris, um, and Brian, you know, very incredibly professional, like Joe, as you said, it's like he just he shows up, does it, gets it right. No, it's like there's there is no fuss, there's no, you know, he's he's prepared. And then he sits off and he, you know, sits in his chair and he's reading a book, you know. And But eventually, you know, we're there for a while and he comes over to talk to us. And, and he says, uh, he says, what's everybody do in the summer? Because I think it's a book. he said, well, we did nothing because we weren't doing anything in the summer. And he said, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to Broadway. I'm doing the big one. Right? And, I, and all three of us were like, the big one. And he said, and I say, oh, wow. Dave, and Spade says, salesman? And and he goes, death of a salesman. And Farley goes, death of a salesman? Like, he literally, like, like Spade knew once he, you know, I got it with one hand. Spade, <laughs> and then once Farley had it, he said, death of a salesman. He's like, I don't know what that is. He had no idea what it was. <laughs> and, 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 and he really, then he, he really laughed. You'll be you'll be pleased to know then that uh, on Twitter today the headline was Tommy Boy actor Brian Dennehy uh, yeah. died. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, you know, his finest role, obviously. Yeah, uh, not, you know, <laughs> not not as John Wayne Gacy or as I like. Remember <laughs> Gorky Park? Sure, he's I like. Yeah, he's good now. He's a really good actor. Bestseller FX. I mean, some great genre films. You know, he's just, those guys, like that type of guy that they sort of. Jordan Baker, Brian Denny, who, like, you know, I think the closest thing we had to kind of one of those, he never really played the physicality as much, but like, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, these sort of, you know, amazing character actors that like, you know, filled up a room in that way, you know, like they, you know, there, there are, you know, Gandolfini was, was, was that kind of guy. He was actually the star of my student film entirely coincidentally, like, don't, like, he he was nobody, and he was the only one who showed up to our uh, audition, and uh, and he was a lovely guy. But that kind of you know, there aren't a lot of those guys left. You know, Charles Durning was that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah the big bear barrel. Bear lives was kind of people. Bear lives was really, holy shit. Big Daddy, you know, like Bear lives is spectacular. Mendacity, mendacity, mendacity. <laughs> No, he was, he was, he, and, and they could also do it all. They could sing, you know, they could, they could, you know, I'm sure Burleigh could dance if you. They're all dance men too, yeah. <laughs> not enough drinks in them. Farley was very, Chris Farley was very physical. Like he could, he was a talented, you know, he could, he could ice skate, he could dance, he could do anything. Um, but no, that, that type of guy, you know, as an actor, and I don't know why that is, it just doesn't, they, they're, you don't find them. I think there's too much maybe easy work in TV. I don't know. Maybe, you know, you just don't really need to, to you know, own it quite as well. I mean, I don't know. 
Right. Well, is it that the work's easy, or is it that the the pay in feature films just goes down and down and down for anybody who's not the star? And given a choice between constantly chasing small roles in films where, you know, you're working your ass off and getting paid very little, or, I mean, it's always astonishing to me when I turn on a TV show and there's some actor I realize I haven't seen in a movie in eight years, and it's like, yeah, because he's been playing, you know, Doctor Jackson on Grey's Anatomy yeah. or something. A bunch of money. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, you can go and do, you know, I know guys I've worked with in movies that just, you know, they said, hey, I'm going to go do this NCIS, whatever, and I'm going to get paid, you know, and I'm going to, you know. Yeah. There's uh, a lot more security in that than, you know, expecting yeah. to get an audition for a movie role. Yeah. No, it's really, you know, now it's it's harder than ever. And I think you're right. You you know, like everything else in, in you know, uh, in economics, the very few are getting paid a fortune. And everybody else gets squeezed, you know. Well, when those giant movie star salaries started just blowing it was up, the Jim Carrey. I guess, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was Stallone was the first. It was Menachem paying him what, like ten million dollars for that Toby arm wrestling. That movie. wasn't real money. I'm sure that that check didn't 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 cash. You ever, you ever worked with those guys? Like, go, I started with those guys, like Menachem Golan and, and uh, Golan and Globus, and who was the other? There was another. You know, team like that was you know. There's there's always no one like them. <laughs> but there's no one like them. Oh. But are you thinking of like Casper and Vajna or no? Vajna, oh yeah, Casper. No, there was a, there was another. Uh, I think there was another Israeli. There's uh, Menachem Golan. That was Golan and Globus, right? Yeah, Canon Films. Yep. And then there was a, I feel like there was another one of those outfits. You know where it was like a oh, time saving. Yeah, yeah, so for sure. And again, yeah, yeah, he he made he started out. I watched a movie. He was involved with some Vietnam movie that was like about it was I'd never heard of it before, and it was about some. It was kind of like a. It felt you know like one of those Hamburger Hill type movies where it's just some. It was a battle that you know you had never heard of and. You know, and and a bunch of guys in the jungle and you know, shooting each other it was a, and it was it was him. I guess he had been prior to my, uh, Power Rangers. He was kind of one of these, you know, rights guy, you know, foreign mm -hmm. guys, right? You know, but there was yeah, there were there were a slew of them, and then um, but yeah, but the thing with those salaries is that it's not like the budgets of the movies went up; they would just take the money from places like. Like the supporting, supporting cast. cast. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're getting paid SAG minimum instead of what they used to be getting, which was commensurate with their talent and their draw. Yeah. So it's all, yeah. Um, well, Eric. Thank you, guys. I hope I was, I hope I was uh, good. Oh, you're great. Good podcast, as they say. I, I, uh, I love, I, I love that you guys do this and I, I, um, and I, I'm honored to have been uh, invited and indulged and, even if this one goes in the in the, the rubbish pin or it would be a very special you we know, can't afford to put any of them in the rubbish. No, no, no. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. Uh, um, yeah, we, we can't afford to do that. Sorry. It's, it's going <laughs> but no, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll do forty more movies. Yeah, really. We'll just... How do you do um I didn't I hope the record you you find a way to record. Um, uh, you were basically pretty good. Okay, good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed it and I look forward to listening to it. Uh Again, for the first time, because I generally what couldn't really listen to myself talk while I was talking. So I'm, yeah, I can't do that either. Nah, I don't know.
I, I have to. I I have to. Make sure I had to copy my publicist. Make sure I didn't say anything, and I need to. Un- That's right. I don't have a problem. And then, and then I'll cut out all the all the smack you were talking about your twenty uh, year old. Yeah, I know. You know. But by the way, <laughs> the, the the odds of maybe one day when I'm long gone, she'll listen to this. But trust me, I can't get her. I can't get her to watch any. Like I was like, well, why don't you know? Why don't we? She come. She came to my office today. She's like. I'm gonna watch a movie in the screening room. The office. I was like, okay, she wants to get out of the house. And I was like, well, can I pick one for you? You know, like, let me just, I'm dying to like, let me show you something I know you're gonna like. And she's like, no, I'm just gonna watch Midsommar. I was like, but you oh. twice, like twice. Oh, letter. You've already seen it, like, letter. I know, she's like, oh, I'm gonna watch it. She, and she literally watches the same, you know, two or three movies over and over again. Um, oh my God. Yeah. I will say I I thought that was a fantastic film, and boy, do I understand the appeal of that movie for a, a young woman of a certain age. Yeah, but I wanted to go. So let me show you the, the you know the Edward Woodward Wicker Man, you know the the original Wicker Man. If you're into this, just watch this and see where it all came from. You know, like can't do it. We'll do it's it. a lot shorter. It's a lot shorter. <laughs> that in Midsummer's all because I remember I I you know I walked in you know two hours on and she was still had 40 minutes left um guys thank you so much our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers we can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown burbank we're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com the best damn movie website there is Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world. Plus... Tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.